Good morning, everyone. Kevin Cruz here with a Throwback Thursday episode. I'm dialing it back to ah, early April 2017 with an interview with someone who I think is you know one of the smartest people when it comes to running effective meetings, Paul Axtell. So much of our life, so much of our work life is involved in going to meetings, facilitating meetings, organizing meetings. Uh, whenever I do polls about the biggest time wasters at work, it's always a tie between meetings and email. So it's such an important conversation, and Paul's a great guy. Enjoy this refresher episode. Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Do you run your meetings for three outcomes? Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz here, helping you to achieve your full potential five days a week. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about how to lead great meetings. But first, don't forget to visit leadx.org. You'll find hundreds of articles from the best business and career writers out there. And you can also sign up for our quick read newsletter packed with actionable tips that you can try out right away. Visit leadx.org. Our guest today consults with a variety of clients from Fortune 500 companies to universities and government agencies. He is known for his expertise in how to run effective and productive meetings. His new book is Meetings Matter, Eight Powerful Strategies for Remarkable Conversations. Our guest is Paul Axtell. Paul, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Oh, our pleasure. Now, Paul, we're going to talk about meetings matter in just a minute, but I always like to start with a universal question, which is just tell our listeners about a time when you failed early in your career and what did you learn from it? Wow, good question. That's a question you could ponder on for a week. It might be good to be in touch with all those things. <laughs> uh, one reason I like the question is I think Everyone has a flaw that could derail them in their career or could get in the way of their relationships at home. And it's useful to become aware of those flaws. And it's a gift when somebody tells us. So I'm reminded of my first production supervisor job, and I was sent to a small factory, actually just outside of Philadelphia, to take over all the production workers, maybe a 100 production workers, and I was replacing a man named Emerson who was a gentle soul, been there 35 years, and was godfather to 27 children of his hourly employees. Wow. I was there about three weeks, and I got a call from the factory manager saying, Paul, I need to see you. I need to see you right away. So I went to his office. Actually, some of my workers were standing outside of his office. I went into Dave's office, and he said, Paul, you love baseball, don't you? And I said, yes. And he says, well, what do they do if the team starts playing badly? Oh. And I said, well, they fired the manager. He says, exactly. Why is that? I said, because there's only one of them. He says, did you see your team out there when you walked in? They've asked me to replace you. Mm. I'm going to give you an hour to go out and convince them to take that back. Wow. So I walked out, and I went to the ringleader, a great big guy named John, and I said, John, Dave just told me that he would fire me unless you asked that I not be replaced. What do you want? He said, we want you to stop walking past us when you go through the factory, and more than that, we want to be your friend. We're human beings, and we want to be treated like that. Well, the lesson is don't walk past people in life. I mean, you're important to people 
And to acknowledge somebody's presence, may eye contact, say hello, it's fundamental to being in the world. So that's a lesson I never forgot. Paul, that is an amazing story. Again, this is one of my universal questions, and that is a powerful story. And it must have been tough. I mean, did you, you, you realized going in that you were following in the footsteps of this beloved leader. Were you apprehensive at the time? Did you realize what you were walking into? Um, I, not so much from that perspective, but from the perspective that I was pretty shy, um, I would say I kind of got raised to be scared of people, so not outgoing. So my preference is to not stop and talk to people. I'm a pretty quiet, reflective person. So I kind of knew I had that flaw, but the gift was there's the first manager who had me say, not here, Paul. You don't get to do that when you work in an organization. Yeah, this is really incredible. And listeners, this is something I can also uh, personally relate to. I was speaking to uh, a friend of mine who's a great executive coach, Roger Lipson, and uh, Dr. Lipson was telling me that, you know, when he's doing all these 360 surveys on leaders all around the world, one of the things that comes up very often is, Paul, exactly what you mentioned. People will say, geez, this guy just walks right past me and doesn't even acknowledge me. It's It really comes up quite frequently. Now, back in the day, I was guilty of the same thing. Now, when I was that leader, that manager walking down the hallway with my head down, I wasn't trying to be rude. I wasn't consciously ignoring people, but I'm a massive introvert. I'm a driver, so like I would almost be jogging from the lobby to my office to get get ready for the next conference call or or whatever it was. And it was true. I didn't notice. I didn't even see the people I was passing because I was so into my own head. So it was unintentional, but the message that it sent or was how it was being interpreted was that, oh wow, you know, we don't even count. We're not even here. Kevin doesn't even bother to acknowledge us. You know, he's better than us. And that was as soon as it was explained to me, Paul, I'm sure like you, you saved your job, right? Once you knew? Well, exactly. And I started talking to the people who check out my groceries. I talked to people in elevators. It's not that you don't have the skill. It's just that you have a personal preference to use it or not. And many of us need to kind of be more intentional about using that skill about connecting with people. I love that, connecting one person at a time. So let's uh, let's pivot over to your new book, Meetings Matter, Eight Powerful Strategies for Remarkable Conversations. So, Paul, is this about meetings or is it about conversations? It's about conversations. I think it's about the three things that pretty much make people really effective in life, perspective, conversation, and relationship. And then meetings is one place where all those three things come into play. But I've got a particular model that I kind of think from, operate from, train from, which is conversations, all you've got to have life turn out. Mm, love it. Now, clearly that's not true, but you raise your kids with conversations. Clearly the most important skill in an organization after whatever your core competency is, whether that's accounting or marketing, is your ability to convene a small group of people and make progress in that meeting and make progress afterwards. Process skills with respect to conducting conversation is the most important piece if you want to have influence. 
Love it. I mean, and, and this idea that, I mean, really life is a series of conversations and there's so, so much uh, at stake from, from doing it right. And, and just think about how much of our time at work is now spent in meetings. So, so what better place to develop those skills? And, and you say, you know, conversations need to be designed. Uh, so at a high level, you know, as we're thinking about you know, leading a meeting tomorrow or at the end of this week, you know, what can we do to design a better meeting, a better conversation? Um, like, give us the high level, Paul. Well, clearly, if there's just two of us going to coffee, we can simply say, hey, let's get together and make this decision, and that's probably enough design. In fact, small groups of four or five design is less important. You get above eight for a complex topic, uh, design is more important with respect to making sure that meeting turns out. And the simplest design is how long are we going to spend talking about this? Where do we want to be at the end of that conversation? What are we looking for from the people who are attending? And is there a preferred way that we walk through this? Uh, so clearly, if you have an hour-long conversation, I think there ought to be more thought to how the process is going to unfold if it's a quick 10-minute conversation checking in with somebody, I wouldn't bother with designing it. That makes a lot of sense, and I hadn't, hadn't thought about that. You know, the, uh, the size of the meeting, you know, correlating directly to the amount of design uh, intention uh, behind it. And one thing in particular in your book when you talk about um, uh, designing a meeting or conversation, you, know, you talk about the importance of candor. Um, what do you mean by that? Basically, that everybody says what they need to say or ask in order to be fully expressed. One of the aspects, if you ask people about being a part of a high-performing team, if they reflect back on their experience, the number one answer is often, I feel like I was totally expressed. I didn't leave anything behind unsaid or unasked. And so how do you manage a conversation such that people never leave with anything unsaid. I saw a recent Google study about high-performing teams, and they came down with two things. Number one, there was psychological safety for people to be vulnerable, and number two, there was a broad participation. So if you think about those, those get at the whole notion of people being fully expressed. And if you look why that doesn't happen, well, basically because meetings are booked back-to-back and there's more items on the agenda than people can handle. And we've got this drive pulse to us rather than this quiet, reflective, social turn-taking. So we just need to kind of maybe up the intention about maybe meetings is a place where we socially connect since we no longer are spending time away from work socially connecting, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's, that's smart. Now, I tease the audience uh, at the beginning because you say great managers should lead meetings for three different outcomes. And before I read your book, you know, I just was thinking about meetings as, Okay, you know, what is the one outcome, you know, that's hopefully stated on the agenda? Like, what are we trying to accomplish or what are we trying to decide? But, but you say there's, there's three different outcomes we can really lead for. So walk us through that. Yeah, very good. Well, clearly being productive is first. And if you stop being productive in your meetings or your teams, the whole sense of teams will erode. I mean, that holds true on a personal basis too. If you and I stop being productive, your mind will go to a bad place. 
really quickly. And on teams, if you stop being productive, in meetings, the whole sense of being a powerful group erodes. So you've got to be productive. Second, though, is people are relying on teams as a place to add value, to get their sense of community, their sense of belonging, and to add value from an expression point of view. So if you don't pay attention to the quality of people's experience during the meeting, now this is probably saying it too harshly, but you're using people versus giving them a chance to contribute. And you can lead a meeting such that you have some attention on the quality of people's experience. The third thing is everywhere in life, part of your well-being is centered on learning something all the time and getting better at something all the time. And if you kind of come back to meetings or a core competency, then when we lead a meeting, we should be getting better at something. So that over the process of time of being meeting, 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 we end up with new capacity and new skills. So in one meeting, we might be working on calling on people. On another meeting, we might be trying to nail down specific commitments in time. In another meeting, we might be trying to make sure that we get broad participation. So you're in these meetings. The intention is let's get better as we work through the process of meetings. Paul, I, I think this is this is pure gold. So, listeners, you know, th- there's you know high level. Are you leading the meeting uh, to accomplish the agenda? Are you creating a great experience for the participants? And are you developing new skills? And I want to add on that last one. Like, um, I, I can't remember which basketball player I, I saw in a recent interview. He said, "There's always the game within the game." So, you know, he, he wants to, the team to win, and he he cares about the big stats, like you know, points in the game, but then he said every game he picks something else out, like um, how fast can he improve the speed at which he gets back, you know, back into the the other end of the court? Um, Can he improve blocks in another game? You know, whatever it is, there's like the game within the game. And and listeners, you don't need to be the meeting leader to take advantage of this. Go into the next meeting and and focus on becoming a better listener. Uh, Go into the next meeting and say, hey, even though it's not my meeting, let me help keep everybody on track, one meeting. So you can pick the different things to work on and sort of <laughs> develop your own skills, even if you're inside uh, someone else's meeting. I just love that. So, Paul, before we wrap up, I like to challenge our listeners to become 1% better every single day. So is there something you can ask them to do today? May I use two? Please. I think the first one is to notice who's not yet in the conversation. And more broadly, in life, notice who's on the outside, who's not participating, who's not speaking. So if you go out to dinner with three couples, it's likely that one person's not speaking. Clearly in meetings, there's likely to be people who are not getting into the conversation. So I think that's one of the most powerful things you can kind of look for is who's not yet in the conversation. If you notice they're not in, you can invite them. The second thing, if we get back to the notion that conversation matters and conversation is really the underpinning for relationship, I think we've got a lot of work to do on interrupting. If we don't manage our interrupting, it leads to a controlling, dominating, some would say bullying atmosphere. And the way to work on this is simply for two weeks, notice who interrupts who 
and then what happens to the person who is interrupted or the conversation that was interrupted. If you simply pay attention and reflect back and notice on who interrupts who, and then the outcome on the person and the conversation, in two weeks, you'll be able to step into conversations and take care of people and conversations that were interrupted. Those would be my choices, Kevin. Powerful, Paul. Thank you. And where can our listeners find out more about uh, you and your work? Well, there's a website, paulaxdell.com, and I'd be happy, particularly if people take on these one percenters, uh, to hear from people by email, which is just paulaxdell at macmac.com. And then I'm on LinkedIn, but the primary source would be paulaxdell.com. Great. All right, friends, you've just been mentored by Paul Axtell. Don't forget you can get links and notes from this interview over at leadx.org, and you can get Paul's book from Amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. And one more thing, listeners, if you've ever gotten just one new idea from the LeadX show, please, please, please hop on over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button, and leave a short, honest review. And if you do that, send me an email. I'm at kevin at leadx.org. And we'll invite you into our private ambassador group on Facebook, where we do monthly giveaways, Q&A sessions with our guests, and other fun stuff. So until next time, remember, leadership isn't about a title or power or authority. Leadership is about influence. We are all leaders. The question is... What kind of leader will you be? 